Good morning, good morning, good morning. Welcome to What Would Kay Say? I am your host, Kay Edwards. What's up, my blessed and highly favored people? How's everyone doing today? I pray that you all had a wonderful, productive week. And you know what? For those of you who didn't, it's okay. That's okay too, right? Hey, we all need to take a break every now and then. And I told you last week how I was beginning to feel burnt out. So you have to, when you start feeling like that, you have to stop to understand why you're feeling like that. And I recognized that I started feeling like that because I was doing too many things that weren't a part of what I should have been doing. And that usually becomes, that's usually the the reason why we start to feel burnt out because we're being pulled from all different sides. And when you're being pulled from all different sides, there's only but so much of you that can stretch, right? So there's just a lot of things that uh, I was doing that wasn't on the course that God had set for me. So when you find yourself starting to feel burnt out, it's, you know, stop and evaluate what's really going on around you, what's really happening. And he'll show you. He'll show you how to slow down and and readjust, right? So just take the time and listen to what he's trying to tell you. And for those of you who don't feel that you hear him sometimes, let me tell you, I didn't always hear him either. I didn't always hear his voice when he was giving me warnings. And the hearing 
it comes from a lot of trial and error. Like you'll think you heard it, but you might not have heard it. So you do whatever. And then you're like, oh, no, that's not what I heard. That's not what I was supposed to do. So the next time you're more aware. So it it comes a thing of just moving and learning and knowing, you know, okay, yeah, this was what I heard. So, yeah, this is the way that I should go with it. And then like a GPS system, you recalculate, you turn around, right? I mean, that's what life is real. Life is really about that. Nobody has a clear set path of what's going to happen ever. I mean, you can set a path, but you never know what stones are going to be on the road. And that's why it's important to learn to hear when he's speaking or when your spirit tells you, you know, you know, don't do that or this is becoming too much or, you know what, step back from that for a, for a minute, right? And that's the beauty of grace and mercy, right? Because there's always room for correction and to begin again, right? When we make mistakes, there's always room to begin again. And there's not, it's not like things are mistakes. It's just, they just detour you from what you really might have wanted to do. So oops, let's say little sidetracks, like, like going shopping, right? Let's take that for an example. Like, you know, you'll set out to go shopping and your mind is focused. I'm going to the store and I'm going to get this. And you get in the store and you're going down every other aisle picking up stuff you weren't even thinking about picking up. Oh, because you saw it, it's like, oh, you know, I could use that. Or, oh, yeah, I was wondering about that. And before you know it, you have a cart full of things you never even intended to buy because you went into the store for the one thing. So... The same way that we can get easily distracted in a store when we're sidetracked to just go get one thing and we end up buying a couple of other things that we did not want. It's the same thing when we move around in life. You start out with one thing and then something else will come up and you'll you'll get involved in that. And then before you know it, you're like, how did I end up here? So it's just all just taking your time when you get like that, when you feel like that, just to stop, take a moment. Think about everything and see, you know, where you might want to backtrack or some things you might just want to keep. You know what? This is important. I didn't think it was important, but you know what? I can use this. So it's just a it's a balancing and we do it every day and you just have to take your time and do it. Whereas I know the world will rush you to make a decision or the world will rush you to keep moving, to keep going, because if you're not doing something, then what are you here for? You know, but <laughs> it's just you take your time. Don't take forever, though, because time is not is not waiting for you. But it, there are times when you can take a breath and say, you know what? Hmm, let me stop for a moment and figure out exactly where I'm at. So. And it's almost it's also when you think about kids, right? When you think about kids and. That comes from this small voice I was telling you. When you're telling a child, stay out the kitchen because you don't want them to burn themselves on the stove. Stay out the kitchen, right? And they still keep wandering into the kitchen. It's the same thing. God will let us keep wandering into that kitchen until we burn ourselves. And then it's like, oops. Yeah, we should have listened and not did that. So it, it's everything is a learning process. Everything is a learning process. So here we are in the last week of January. And from the beginning of this year, God has given us various tools to follow in order to make the rest of our year successful. But before I start with that, let me get my housekeeping out of the way. 
Because I know once I start talking, I'm looking at the way I'm, the way I'm had this pattern. I'm like, once I start talking, I'm going to forget to put this in here. So let me get my housekeeping out of the way. Radio Free Brooklyn's mission is to provide a free and open platform to our community and promote media, literacy, education, free expression, and public art. We rely primarily on donations from listeners like you. Every dollar helps us stay on the air and allows us to continue our work in the community. We are a 501c3 nonprofit organization, so all contributions are tax deductible. Please support with a monthly pledge or one-time donation at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash donate. So now, like I was saying, God has given us various tools to follow for the rest of the year. Right. He's been giving us things as this year started. He's been giving us things. He started out ending last year with the knowledge of what this year was going to bring for us. Right. And I told you that our theme for this year was faith beyond measure. And that means that everything that we do, we do it with a greater level of faith than we normally would. Right. God wants to show himself in our lives like never before, especially after this pandemic. He wants to show us how things should be going forward if we felt we hadn't gotten it right before the pandemic. We had the reset time, and now it's like everyone's starting over. So he's like, okay, look, everyone's starting over. This is the way I want you to do it. This is the way you should be following. So... With that, he gave us faith beyond measure. Everything we do is with a greater level of faith. And he started off this year with writing the vision, making it plain so you know exactly what it is that you're thinking about, what you want to do, get your, to get your mind focused. If you write the vision, then you're focused. Because if you're writing something down, then that means that you've thought about it enough to say, oh, yeah, I could put this in print. Then he showed us how fasting gives us clarity and understanding. And then last week, we spoke about being content, and we learned how not to only how to obtain how to be content, but also how to keep it, right? And all those things, when you think about it, all those things that we learned thus far are learned behaviors. They're things that you are taught, like you're taught to write down your vision. Like you'll think of things pie in the sky, but it's not until you really think about it and write it down that mm, this becomes reality because that's what you're focusing on. And then with the fasting, it's a, it's a learned process because nobody just likes to just think about giving up something for no reason, you know, just giving it up just for the sake of giving it up. No. So in the fasting, we learn that you can give up things for clarity to be able to hear what God has to tell you so that you can have that time of whatever you gave up to commune with him. And then about the learning to be content. So today's topic, moving along on that same road of tools that we need that can help us throughout this year. Today's topic, we're going to talk about what it means to tithe and why we should do it. Now, I know once I said that word, it's like, oh, here we go looking for money, looking for money, right? But I'm going to show you something. Our reading today will come from 2 Corinthians 9, 6 to 8. And this week I'm using the New King James Version for those of you who follow along. 
But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. Blessed is the reading of the word of the Lord. So now, we've all heard those scriptures quoted, misquoted, used, overused many times, right? By various groups seeking their own personal gain. You'll always say, oh, God loves a cheerful giver. You know, it's time for us to do whatever, whatever. But can I tell you, when you take those words as God intended from the scriptures, it will bring blessings to your life. It'll bring blessings to your life. And I want to give one more scripture before I go into talking about how all of it comes together. Philippians 4 and 19. When we're obedient to give back to the Lord, he is faithful to supply all our needs. Right? So when you take those those scriptures that I read from 2 Corinthians, and when you take the scripture that I read from Philippians, everything that they're telling us, everything that Paul was telling the Corinthians and the Philippians had to do with the reason why you're giving. You're not giving because God wants your money. It's that God doesn't need our money. When you think about it, why would God need our money to do anything that he wants to do? If you recall, all the wealth that he that we have comes from him. Remember, he told us in Psalm 50, 10 to 11, for every beast of the forest is mine and the cattle on a thousand hills. I know all the birds of the mountains and the wild beast of the field are mine. So if God owns everything because he created everything, do you think that he really needs us to give him something? God doesn't need our money for anything. And the reason why we give is because we're honoring him for the blessings that he's given to us. If you think about it, you have a, it's Christmas, it's your birthday, it's your anniversary. It's just a day that somebody wants to celebrate you. So they bring you gifts. Now, if they bring you gifts, what's the first thing you think about doing? Most of the time, if it's a party type of setting, housewarming, wedding, whatever, engagement party, oh, I got to get thank you cards. I got to get thank you cards or 
I think I should give these out as little trinkets for people to take home. Now, here it is. You're you're looking around to give little presents to people because they're coming to celebrate you and they're bringing you gifts. So you want them to go home with something so that you can show your appreciation to them for participating in whatever it is that you were giving at the moment. And I know that's kind of like a roundabout way of describing it. And it's not exactly like that, but I'm taking that if just to give your mind thinking, if you can think, oh, let me give them little gifts to partying gifts to leave with or party favors or when you're when your child is having a birthday party. Oh, we got to get them a little party bag to leave with because they came. Why wouldn't you want to then give God back something because he's been blessing you with just the, the breath of life, why wouldn't you want to give him something back for something that he's taking care of you every day? And that's the reason why we give. That's the reason why you would tithe, just to show gratitude for what he's done for you, to recognize that we know that everything comes from him. And he also, it's almost almost like a requirement, not a mandate, but it's like, like what the scripture says. The scripture said, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, right? And when we give, it shows God that we want to be like him. Because if you think about it, he gives us everything without us, without being selfish. And when we give, it's a way of us to show that we're not selfish either or self-centered. Because anybody that gives is thinking outside of themselves. Most of the time, if you're giving something, you're thinking outside of yourself. Because God gives to us freely. He gives us love. He gives us wisdom. He gives us attention to anything that we ask. He gave his son for our sins. And in all his giving, he's trying to get us to understand how the giving helps us to interact with one another and do for one another. Because when you think about it, everything that God blesses you with is coming from somebody else. God's not dropping manna from the sky anymore. When you're hungry, you're not looking to the sky to say, oh, well, in the morning, I'm going to wake up and there's going to be manna on the ground for me to pick up and eat. That's not the way it's done. And for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, I'm talking about when the, the children were in the wilderness and they were hungry and they wanted to eat and they needed water because they needed to drink. God provided food for them every morning, and he had Moses hit the rock for them to have water. But if you want to see the whole story about that, read Exodus. But, and I say that to say, he's not dropping manna from the sky. So if you're getting something, it's coming from another human being. So if all of us were closed, selfish, not wanting to give, How would anything be exchanged? How would God be able to bless you from someone else 
or have you bless someone, it's all an exchange of giving, giving. If I open my hands to give to you, I become that blessing through me. God is blessing you through me. He's giving me the opportunity to be the blessing. Okay. He's like, I want you to do this for this person because he wants them to have something. So he's using you as the vessel. He uses all of us as a vessel to bless one another. Yes, the blessing is coming from God, but he has to use us in order to get it done. So if you're selfish or closed or don't want to give, you're blocking someone's blessing. I mean, it sounds strange, but not only are you blocking someone's blessing, but you're also blocking your own. Because if you're closed and you're not open, how is somebody going to give to you if you're not open to get? When you give, it opens up your hands. It opens up your arms. But if you're closed and everything's tight, how is somebody going to give in to you when there's no room because you had everything and you're holding everything to yourself? And... When God gives us stuff, he gives us stuff to be a blessing to others. Yes, he gives us stuff for ourselves, but he also gives it so that we can be a blessing to others. And when he knows that he can trust you with a little, then he can give you more. And now don't get me wrong, tithing is not about money. So every time I say about giving and being a blessing, it's not about always coming out of your pocket or writing a check or no, it could be your time. It could just be a conversation. It could be the talents that you have, showing someone something, guiding someone in whatever it is that they're doing, giving it lending, giving advice, being a listening ear. Sometimes some people just need to have somebody listen to them. And that's a blessing because you have so many people that aren't listening. So if you can be that sounding board for them, that's a blessing. Because who knows, you might have needed to have someone hear something that you have to say. It, it works both ways. It's not just about money. It's not. And everybody always thinks that tithing always has to do with money. And it's not. And if we look at what Jesus said about the woman with the alabaster box, and she came to my mind because when I was thinking about it, I said it had nothing to do with money. And this story is in Luke 7, 36 to 50. You can read it there. But the gist of the story was this woman who was a sinner came And she washed Jesus's feet with this expensive oil that she had, and she wiped his feet with her hair. And she was crying the whole time while she was bending at his feet, you know, because she knew who he was. And she did all that to honor him because she knew who he was and she knew the life that she lived. And Jesus told the disciples, because they were like, you know, like, why is she using that oil? And why is she, you know, wiping his, you know, why is she even around him? You know, she's a sinner. Why is she at his feet like that? But Jesus looked at her and told her that he forgave her of her sins. And I found this so funny because when I read it over again last night, and it said that Jesus forgave her of her sins, but the Bible stressed, which were many And I was like, 
why was that put in there like that? Why did it have to be stressed that it was many sins that she had? But then I remembered, when you think about the whole story, what God was saying was, we all are walking around with so much stuff that we're not even aware of that we think we're not sinners because we don't do or we always do and I've always done and my family always has. No, because there's a lot of stuff in you that God is trying to bring out of you. But this story reminded me that the reason why Jesus forgave her of all her sins and he said and he pointed it out to them You guys, when I came to this house to eat, you didn't give me water to wash my feet or a cloth to wipe them off. You just took for granted that, oh, I was here, so I'm here. Whereas she saw me and was like, he's here. Let me honor him with what I have. And so to Jesus, it was like, she gave more than any of you gave. And you guys were in a position to do way more than she was able to do. But because of her love and honor that she showed him, he forgave her all her sins. Isn't that something? Here it was. She wasn't even thinking about being forgiven for sins, but she just wanted to honor him because of who he was. Because she knew she knew the way she had lived in her life. But here it was people that he was with. They hadn't even said, oh, you know. Because back in the day, they always washed their feet before they came into the home to eat supper and everything. They didn't say, oh, you know, here's a bowl for your feet and here's a cloth. No, it was just like, oh, okay, he's here. We're going to do whatever. So when you look back and you wonder sometimes, like, okay, why isn't this working for me? You know, why isn't, no matter what, how much I do or how much I try to, you know, get ahead in this certain area. Why isn't this working for me? Examine how you're moving with God. Think about it. Are we really giving him the best of us or are we just giving him enough? Are we looking for a blessing and not trying to be the blessing? And if you remember that everything that we do comes from other people, even with favor, even if it's favor, which is somebody looking kindly upon you. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I got favor with the boss. They let me get my vacation time. God turned that heart of that boss to give you that time off. God made it possible for you to have favor. And it comes from you being a blessing to someone else. Because when he told you or when he gave you, you were diligent enough to follow through in what he had told you. So when it comes to the whole concept of tithing and giving and receiving, it's a back and forth exchange. It's a back and forth exchange. And you don't have to participate. By no means do you have to participate. But if you know that, well, you know what? If I give this or if God told me to do this, if I do it, You don't know what down the road you're going to need, or you don't know what down the road he has waiting for you for somebody else to give to you or do to you or pour into you to get you to your next level. So it's just something to think about.
Think about the next time God asks you or someone asks you to tithe or look at it as sowing a seed. Because when you sow a seed, that seed eventually does grow into something for you to harvest later on. And with that, I think it's time for us to take a music break. You have been listening to What Would Kay Say here on Radio Free Brooklyn, What Brooklyn Sounds Like.
highlight, no fear, no heights, same flesh, no life. Get up in the world, you got to know Christ. No, I can't survive with no light. Hands up, raising like it's a heist. I know that we got him alright, alright, alright. Take my hand, lead me right. You my strength, get me safe. All I need in my life, in my life, you know I Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. You are listening to What Would Kay Say here on Radio Free Brooklyn. It is now time for the part of the show that I call Op-Ed. Now, this week's Op-Ed, I'm keeping it local, meaning I'm keeping it New York. But really, it could apply to all cities in America today. But I can only speak about where I'm at and what I know is going on where I'm at. So this week, our mayor, Eric Adams, called for immediate changes to add police officers to the streets to remove guns. Now, everybody that lives here in the city or the tri-state area, you have been hearing about the guns gone rogue in New York. We've been plagued with gun violence in the recent months. With this past week, seeing two officers, young, young boys, killed in the line of duty. The two officers that were killed were younger than my son. So when you think about it, we have babies now dying in the line of duty, not that Older people that die in the light of duty, not that their life isn't, you know, important. Of course, anybody who dies in anything, their life meant something to someone. But it's just really heartbreaking that we had two young men that wanted to be on the force because they wanted to make a change for their people. And here it is. They're gone now. So the New York Times reported that Mayor Adams announced that his plan will include the restoration of the anti-gun police unit. 
Now, if I recall correctly, that anti-gun police unit was that whole stop and frisk thing. And that's what people are afraid of coming back. They're afraid of the air quote stop and frisk coming back to New York City. But Mayor Adams also called for state lawmakers to make a number of changes, which include New York's bail law and the law that altered how the state handles teen defendants. Mayor Adams stated in a conference earlier this week, I want to be clear. This is not just a plan for the future. It is a plan for right now, the mayor said. Gun violence is a public health crisis. There is no time to wait. Now, a number of clergy, council people, assembly people have been little taken back that Mayor Adams wants to bring back the plainclothes cops that policed our streets in order to get the guns off the street. I don't know what everyone else is feeling. I guess I'm going to open up the, the calls for this. I'm going to open up the phone for this one. The number is 718-673-8201 if you want to weigh in on what I'm talking about. But if you think about it, the thing about the stop and frisk, which made it bad, was because with anything, absolute power corrupts absolutely. So with the plain clothes clops, cops, clops, excuse me, the plain clothes cops, that's a tongue twister, being given the free wherewithal to just do whatever they wanted because they need their mandate was just stop crime at all costs. They didn't care. So when you have a mentality of, I don't want to work in this neighborhood anyway, everyone like that looks like you is already guilty. So let me just throw everybody up against the fence and everybody walking around. If you got a big knapsack, if you got a big Gucci bag, you're all guilty. Let me search you. That's not the way you keep guns out of the neighborhood. But I will say you do need some form of policing, but I'm not sure what form of policing. But there has to be some form of policing. And a lot of people want to say, let the community do it. The community knows their people. Let the community. We can't rely, and I'm saying this, being a part of the community, we can't rely on a community to police the community, okay? that We've seen that it does not work. That doesn't work. That's like me walking up to the corner with a whole bunch of guys hanging out on the corner, which, what, which is what they do every day, all day, and I'm going to tell them, you know what, guys, um... It really doesn't look good for y'all to be hanging out on this corner. I really want y'all to just move it along. <laughs> They're going to look at me like who she thinks she is. Really? I'm, But I'm the community. So, okay, I go up there with a bunch of my other young ladies, and we all go up there to the corner and say, you know what, guys? You guys have been hanging out on this corner too much. We think that you should just move it along. Once again, they're going to be like, <laughs> who do they think they are? We're, they're the community. 
They're going to say, we're the community. We're in our community doing what we feel we should be able to do. So this whole community policing, it's a good idea in theory, but I don't think it's such a good idea when it comes to everything that needs to be done. I think if they're going to bring back that anti-gun police unit, which is going to include those plain clothes cops, there does have to be a certain stipulation as to what they're able to do and who they're able to target. Because you can't tell me, you cannot tell me if New York can, if the government can hunt you down because they got satellites everywhere watching you. You mean to tell me that they don't know who's bringing in the guns across the state lines? They don't know who they should be watching, who they should. It's just everybody's just oh, we don't have a clue of who's doing this or how they're getting it done. That I don't believe. So it has to be a balance if it's going to take place. You know, you have to have some type of balance of who's going to be on this task force. It needs to be multi-ethnic, number one, from all, everybody. Everybody has to work together here. And then it has to come with... um, a list of things that they can do and can't do, which makes sense to make it fair for everyone. So individual groups won't feel like they're going to be targeted, targeted unfairly again. And I understand, I understand that mindset because nobody wants to feel like, oh my gosh, now I'm under the bullseye again. No, but if you fit that description of, but see, they want to throw everybody that they fit that description of. You fit that description. So we got to, we got to search you. How do I fit that description? You were looking for somebody 4'11 with a green hat. I'm 6'5. I don't even have a hat. How do I fit that description? Oh, because I'm a black man. And the one, the short one was a black man too. Oh, okay. That's the description you went on. You can't do that. So If they make the guidelines where it's fair for all and it's equally distributed to all, meaning not just one group is targeted, all groups are targeted, even the ones that you think, air quote, oh, they would never do. Those are the ones that you think that would never do are the ones that's doing because everybody's turning away because they think they would never do. So you need to check everyone because now today after the pandemic and what we've seen in the pandemic Everyone can be suspect, but they still there still has to be guidelines that need to be followed. And this bail reform law, if you have a rap sheet that reads like the Mother Goose nursery rhyme book, well, why are they setting bail for you? Why are they setting bail? I'm like, you just got out two weeks ago. And you're back here again? Why? So, yes, that has to be looked at. Everything can't be, well, because it was so harsh on one side, then just open up the floodgates on the other. You can't do that. That doesn't correct things. If anything, that just makes things worse. You want to correct something, you have to look at where it broke down, the reason why it broke down, and then start fixing it in little pieces. When you come upon a car that's broken down on the side of the road, 
They don't just start stripping everything out the end. They don't lift up the hood and start throwing everything out to see, oh, okay, the car is broken, so let's just strip it down to its bare, and then we're going to put it back together to get it to work. That's not how you do it. When you see a car broken on the side of the road, the first thing you ask, "Mm, okay, well, was it, you know, how did it get here? What noise was it making before it got here? Was it acting funny three weeks ago in this manner? Like, okay, that's what a mechanic should ask you. So at least he knows, oh, well, it might be in this area. Well, was it smoking or is it hot? You know, oh, okay, well, let me look over here. Maybe it's the water. Maybe it's the oil. Maybe it's this. They don't just strip everything out and say, okay, well, we're going to look at, you know, we'll just take everything out and then see what happens when we put, no. And that's the way everything should be looked at. Everything. Yes, we know for a number of years, things have been gone going crazy and everything has gone rogue and people have been taken advantage of. And there are those who have been the one doing, taking the advantage. But in order to fix that, we still have to start in little pieces. We have to start in little pieces. You can't just get rid of everything, right? Like they say, throw out the baby with the bathwater. <laughs> so that's what I think about everything that's happening with the guns. And like I said, it's not just here. I'm talking about here because I live in New York. And the Manhattan DA, Alvin Bragg, in the beginning, his stance, when that which won him his seat as the district attorney, his stance was, oh, well, nobody was going to be prosecuted if you were caught with a gun unless you were actually involved in a violent crime. So in other words, if I had a gun and I was shooting you, then I could be prosecuted. But if I just had a gun walking down the street in New York City, oh, no, she was caught with a gun, but we're not going to prosecute her. That's crazy. That's crazy when you have gun laws where you can't carry guns. And it wasn't for he wasn't saying that for people who legally had permits to carry guns. He was talking about in general, if you were caught with a gun, but you weren't caught in a violent crime, you he wasn't going to prosecute you. Are you crazy? You just opened up for everybody to just get a gun. And we see where that led. Right. So now he's saying. Now he's saying that. Anyone, he's going to aggressively prosecute people who have guns, you know, crimes that involve guns and anyone who just has possession of a gun. Well, uh, duh. If you have a law in New York that says you can't carry unless you have a permit or you're a police officer or a peace officer, then why would you just let me walk down the street with a gun? That makes no sense. But... So that's what's happening here in New York. And I know a lot of other cities are having a lot of problems with guns as well. So, and with this only being 30 days into January, and we've had so many shootings in this city just starting from the beginning of the year. On the subway, the young girl that was killed in the Burger King, the young baby that was shot in the face because two guys wanted to shoot each other 10 blocks away. Really? You want to shoot the guy and you're running, you're chasing him shooting. What? You don't take, you don't, you're not, you don't go to target practice. So what makes you think that you're going to shoot somebody that's a moving target, no less? You can't even hit a still target. But I digress. It's just something has to be done and someone has to make the first steps. And kudos to Mayor Adams being an ex-cop. He knows the streets. So who better to implement than someone who's been around it, right? And that ends op-ed. So now, the word of the month, which is our last Sunday of the month, our word is still doubtless, and we're still holding on to that. 
And our promise for this week is going to come from 1 Corinthians 2, 9. And it says, but as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard nor have entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love him. I say, have a blessed week. Let your light shine. Stay safe. And until we meet each other again, oh, not, let me not forget my PSA. COVID is still out there. Wash your hands. Wear your mask social distance. And until God brings us together again next week, peace. Well, my mind is a battleground. I'm stuck inside. Cannot fight it out. What I would give. To be free from myself All my heart Weighs a hundred pounds I go to war with my thoughts Try to write them down But my heart is bleeding through the pages God, I need help Cause I'm
great Or that you're not fearfully and wonderfully made You are special, a designer's original It doesn't matter what they say or what they do All that matters is how you feel about you You're amazing, the moment that you think so Oh 